Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Rachel Berkovitz coming to you from Jerusalem. This is Unit 2, where we're learning through the Mishnayot of Masechet Pesachim. Last time, we left off in the middle of the first Mishnah, where we are about to look at a dispute between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. The Mishnah had just told us that it sort of had asked the question, why did the rabbi say you have to check two rows in your basement, in the, in the wine cellar, in the area that you dug out to do as a storage room, which normally you don't put chametz in, you have jugs of wine there. And we had acknowledged that we didn't even know the rabbi said this. This Mishnah is making reference to an earlier text. And now we're going to try to understand what this means. Now, what's interesting is the text asked us, why did they say two rows in the Martev? But the answer that we're going to get is not a why, but um, an explanation of what. what do, how do I understand two rows in the Martev? So Beit Shammai Omrim, Beit Shammai says, Shtei shurot kol Two rows across the whole face of this basement-like storage area. Ubeit Hila Omrim, Shtei shurot hachitzonot shehem ha'elyonot. Two rows that are the outer ones that are the upper ones. Now, despite the fact that they described, that they thought they were clarifying what two rows meant, their descriptions, their clarifying descriptions are somewhat cryptic, and no one fully understands what they meant. In the Gemara, they offer a number of different possible ways to read these views of Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. I'm going to choose to explain it the way that the Tosefta, right, pieces of Tanaitic material from the same time period as the Mishnah, chose to elaborate on their um, on their views, right? They use different language, and to me, it's closest to the time of the Mishnah, so I'm going to prioritize that as the, the possible simple read. The Tosefta says, in, in, to describe Beit Shammai, alpnei kol hamartif, right? That was the phrase that we had in our Mishnah, according, along the whole face of this, um, of this uh, basement area. Shura hachitsona horoeh et hapetach vehelyona the 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 line the, the 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 group of bottles that is the outermost that sees the door and the upper one that sees the tikra that sees the ceiling okay so let's just imagine what this is looking like it's like a storeroom that has jugs lined up in rows very straight rows um, what next to each other and then atop each other and then another row and another row and another row. I think it would be best for you, I, I would draw this on the board, but we don't have a board, for you to imagine a cube. Imagine like a Rubik's cube that has different sides to the cube and like these little small squares making up the face of it, okay? Beit Shammai takes one face of the cube um, and each of these little squares within my cube are bottles of jugs of wine and he says the whole front face, the face is the door. I walk in and I see a stack in front of me. That whole face, top to bottom, everyone in each row, the face is the door I need to check. And then the whole upper row that faces the ceiling. That like So if I have a cube, I'm doing two sides of it. I'm holding my hands. 
it like if you know the Greek uh, gamma sign, um, a backwards sort of race sign. The whole front of the cube and the whole and the whole top of the cube. You have to check. And Hillel says, Shurah chitzona hi ha'elyona hara'et ha'petach karot. All right. And Hillel says, the one line that is the uppermost that sees the front and the back. So if you imagine your Rubik's cube, don't imagine the whole face. Just imagine that top row of the three cubes, right? That faces both forward and then has colors on the other side that face upwards, right? The edge of the cube that has one side of its thing facing forward and one side facing upwards, right? And both of them, after they state their opinion, they say, you don't need to do anything more, right? Bechami that says that that whole top said you don't have to do anything below it. And that whole front, you don't have to anything behind it. And Beit Hillel says that just from those two rows, you don't have to do anything below it. Okay, so what's going on here? Right? It doesn't actually even explain the lama. It just explains the what. Um, what's, what's this machloket here? I had a lot of trouble with this. I'm going to try to the best of my ability to explain it. Um, is this is this a disagreement in reality? Meaning, does Beit Shammai think that people like bring crumbs to more places in their martef and carry on bread when they start to get wine. And it's just like a dispute about like the place where human beings bring it. Shammai is more skeptical and thinks human beings drop crumbs in but more places and Hillel thinks less or something else going on. The Rambam in his commentary tries to under help us understand the reality. He said, if we have um, like lot rows where I have 10 jugs in each row and then I have 10 stacks on top, 10 stacks similar on top of it, right? That would mean that a 10 by 10 thing that was the whole face would be a hundred drugs I need to check for Shammai. And then 10 by 10 on the top would be another hundred jugs. I need to check 200 jugs. Whereas Hillel is only saying, I'm just doing the top two rows that are in the front. That's 10 plus another 10. That's 20 jugs, right? Now, when you think about that, that is a vast difference. Hillel is just doing, is, is Hillel like a ceremonial cursory check, right? Maybe the whole reason we're only checking at night and we're only checking a little bit, that this is more ceremonial and I don't want to, I don't want to find the chametz actually. Whereas Shammai thinks, no, I have to take this seriously and I got to check. Although if it's just where I would bring the chametz into the martef, I don't normally bring chametz there. Why the heck would I get it all the way in the back and the top? Like how would I reach those back ones? To be able to check there, you'd have to undo everything. Maybe that's what Shammai wants is to undo everything. It's, it's a little bit crazy here, the, the difference between them. So this is what I'd like to suggest. I'm making this up. Nowhere it doesn't say this. But um, if you remember to the psukim and the Torah that talked about not seeing any chametz and therefore we have to destroy it, right? What, some of the psukim emphasized that it was only from your home and then others emphasized that it was on your entire borders of your land. Possibly there is a dispute between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel about which one of these verses I need to prioritize. Hillel says, I'm prioritizing my home. I'm prioritizing how human beings interact with summits in, in their small surroundings. Okay, so I, I'm going to check the rooms of my house. I'll check the martef a little bit where I carry down summits. And I'm going to be taking, obviously, bottles of wine out of the martef from the top shelves, right? I'm not going to take from the bottom because everything would come crashing down. So maybe that's where I left this crumb of my pizza and I forgot it on those top two shelves. So check there. Beit Shammai says, no. It says, it's, it's, there's not a li limit. It's everywhere. You got to go everywhere. You got to do the entire martef. 
right? So I do the whole front panel up and down and the whole top panel up and down. And presumably that will, that will sort of like covers the entire cube. I'm, I'm, I'm having to fake it a little because really, should I say take everything out? But maybe to get those top level, you have to take everything out. And that they have an inherent disagreement about what to prioritize in this check. Where, what chametz am I concerned about, right? Now you might say to me, Rachel, but the Mishnah already defined what chametz I'm, I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about just where human beings enter. But I would like to push back and say, maybe that view at the beginning of the Mishnah is according to Beit Hillel already. We've accepted Beit Hillel's view that it's only in my home, it's only where I live, it's only how I interact with chametz in that space that defines what I have to check. And that the earlier view, right, and we hear, see in this Mishnah that there was some earlier Mishnah that we don't have all the texts about, we don't know what it said, it reflects, is, is, is that there was an earlier view, and Shammai sometimes reflects in a more ancient view, that really I'm, I'm checking everything, I'm getting rid of it from everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's where I normally would um, bring Hamid. I got to look before all my boundaries, I have to check, it doesn't matter if I'm looking at 200 jugs of wine within my storage cellar. Okay, that's the Chama and Beit Hillel. And, and this issue, I think, continues in the next Mishnah, which is very short. Mishnah bed of the chapter says the following. I don't need to worry lest um, a chulda, we'll have to explain this is a kind of animal, drag chumet from house to house, from place to place. Because if I would worry about that, then I would need to worry that they dragged it from one courtyard to another and went from one town to another, and there would be no end. I'd have to worry about chametz all over the place, right? I think that there are many people when checking for chametz who have that attitude of, of worrying about chametz in the craziest places all over the place. They're using toothpicks and toothbrushes to get chametz out of crevices of ridiculous things. But our Mishnah or our use against it. Our Mishnah knows that human beings can interact with their surroundings and there might be places that they bring chametz and that they don't. But animals also like chametz, particularly a choldah. The question is how to translate this word choldah. I don't know what translation the Mishnah you received on Safaria. Um, if you have the Koran translation, they translated it as a marten, which is a type of weasel or from that family. Or if you had another translation, they'll translate it as weasel. And it is true that there are places in the Mishnah that refer to that type of animal as a chulda, right? And it's clear that we're talking about a somewhat bigger animal. There's Mishnayat that talk about that they could injure chickens by poking the, on their heads and make them tray for, for eating. Um, there's a number of mentions of the chulda in the Mishnah. The problem is that in our text, it's clear that this animal wants chametz, is dragging bread. So we need an animal that eats bread. And not all weasels and martens eat bread. They eat like vegetable-like things and berries or maybe even eat some small animals, but they don't necessarily eat bread. And so I would like to suggest the way the Rambam suggests here that this chuldat actually means rat, like we say in modern Hebrew. It's larger than a achbar, than a mouse that's mentioned somewhere in the Mishnah. And we're talking about a rat because rats drag hummets from place to place. And the rabbis know that. And we don't need to worry that the rag drags. And there's two ways to understand this. It could be that after I checked, I don't have to worry that a place that I thought was clean, that a rag then, rat then dragged more chametz there and that I don't need to recheck and recheck. And this might lead us to the next Mishnah where Rabbi Yehuda does think you need to recheck. Um, or alternatively, 
when I define the space as how humans use the space and if human beings bring hummets there, right? I don't, I don't need to say, well, humans might not bring hummets there, but rats do. I don't need to be concerned with animal behavior. I need to be concerned with human behavior and how humans interact with hummets. This is, I'm emphasizing this because this is a very important point to me. I think that the first two Mishnayot clearly emphasize this fact. How do human beings interact with hummates? What are the places where human beings bring um, bring hummates? And that's what I need to worry about. The last bit of the mission is so interesting because it says, why not? Because then I'd have to worry that it would bring it from, from a, a courtyard to a courtyard or to from one town to another and there would be no end. But what's interesting about the language of one town to another, right? That sounds to me like a de- definition of Bechol Gvulecha right? The boundaries of your whole land. Yes. In theory, there could be an interpretation of the verses that I do have to worry about that. And possibly, right, I suggested at the beginning of this, that maybe Beit Shammai is a reflection of that, that there was a view that I needed to worry about Hametz no matter where it was. Just the very fact of it um, is what I need to be worried about and not how human beings use it or interact with this. And this Mishnah is coming to put a stop to it. No. That is too much. That is, there is, there's, there'd be no end of this. We need to think about comets within our bayat or even our moshav. There was a verse that said in your settlement, like the places that you interact with comets in your daily life. So you might bring it down to your martes, not, you know, but not the whole martes because you don't normally store comets there. And you don't need to worry about what animals do. This is about human beings interacting with comets. Okay. Next time we'll continue with the next Mishnah and we'll see someone who is concerned with checking a little bit more than this, right? This is the most minimalistic type of checking that's been described here. And I think it would be wise for people who get overly stressed about Pesach to remember these Mishnayot when they're, per- when they're preparing for it. You don't have to go crazy about the crazy places where Hametz is found. You need to think about where human beings naturally bring it and you don't have to worry about strange situations. You might have some mice in your house if you have little children. I don't mean, sorry, I don't mean real mice. I mean that kids bring Cheerios all over the place. And so maybe that would still be considered a place where human beings enter, but that will be left for you to decide. Okay, next time we will continue with the next Mishnah. Thank you to our Pardes faculty and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.